It sounded just too funny to even say out loud, didn't it? <laughs> Good morning, everybody. It's great to see all of you. Hey, we've got Trunk or Treat coming up. I know some of you, as soon as you heard us announce it, you said to yourself, there's no way I'm going to hang out with about 500 little kids. Uh, you know, I, I, so let me encourage you. If you've already said that in your heart, which is okay to say, could you partner with us by donating a little extra money or bringing candy to church over the next couple weeks so that we can hang out with those little kids and have some fun with them? We want to make sure that everybody feels a sense of normalcy in their lives. And, and um, we just want those kids to have a blast, even though we know that there are difficult times in America. So we have been talking about the framework that God is using us to build, that God's actually using our lives and he's, he's putting us together. And in a world where there's a lot of deconstruction going on, it's really great to know that God is building something. I, I have to say, you know, the Apostle Paul has a verse that I always thought was a little ridiculous. It, it was like, um, though the outward man decays inwardly, I'm renewed day by day. Well, you know, when you're 40, you may not feel that decay. Like you think, if you're 30, you're like, what's this old coot saying, you know, decay. But when you get a little older and you get a little 60, you know, you get a little 70, you begin to feel what that word decay means. But I think every one of us in our society, no matter what age we are, have felt a little bit about the decay. We have experienced a little social entropy, if you would allow that word to be used. And what God wants to do is to let us know that in the middle of deconstruction, that there is something being divinely, intentionally built through his Holy Spirit and through his word. And he invites us to be a part of it. And you are part of it. We learn from the apostle Peter, he said, you come to Christ, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. I, you know, I signed in my notes, but living stones just jumped off the page at me. We are living stones. We are not the Bible Belt. We are not an institution. We are not just a 501c3. We're not just the moral right. We are not the, you know, the, the crazy left. We're not any of that. We are living stones. Every single one of us has the potential through the Holy Spirit and through the word of God to come fully alive and be a part of something that the world can, can build on. We are becoming the very rock in Christ that the rest of the world can lean on in a time of deconstruction. So we are being built into a spiritual house and he's empowered us to be what Peter said in 1 Peter 2, 4. He said, you are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, a people that bring people to God and God to people. I mean, that's, that's the, re the religious definition of it in its purest sense is that our job is to connect people to God and connect God to people in a world of, of darkness. Listen to where Peter says this is supposed to take place. So that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's our calling, is that we're here to be proclaiming the excellencies of God, the greater plan of God for life than the one that we experience in the world around us. The world's shrouded in darkness. 
I mean, I, how, how did you feel when all of a sudden, whether you're a Democrat or a Republican, it didn't matter, when all of a sudden you saw Donald Trump, our president, is now hospitalized with COVID-19, and then some of the um, uh, you know, leaders of our country are beginning to get sick. I mean, you begin to say, whoa, what the heck is going on here? There's a sense of confusion. There's a sense of fear. And let me just touch maybe something that God is saying to you personally, that in the world there is this feeling of sadness. Has anybody else felt any just plain like sad? I mean, you're just, you're just sad about how things are looking, how things are going, what things have taken place over the last six months. And there's this sense of just sadness upon America right now, sadness even upon the people of God. But God wants to use us as living stones so that we can declare forth the excellencies of God in the middle of darkness. He wants to fill us with his power, with his love, with his light, so that we can declare hope to the world that we live in. So beyond the visual images of the Old Testament priest carrying the ark that I've used for a couple weeks now, how do, we, how do we be priests in everyday life? I mean, I have a buddy here at the church, Simon. He's working the, uh, the, the camera back there. Let's give it up for Simon. Where that's it. It's his only his second week on there. So we have no idea what they're seeing out there in the internet world today. No idea. But you know, Simon will say to me, man, that word convicted me, you convicted me. But then he'll do, he'll do what I need people to do, say, well, how do I do that daily? I mean, I get the whole thing of the Ark of the Covenant and Raiders of the Lost Ark and carrying it on their shoulders, but how do I do that? So what does priesthood look like in a daily life? Well, last week we looked at the Apostle Paul in the battle of the priesthood in, the, in Ephesus. Remember when all the priests came together and they all battled out with each other in the city of Ephesus? But he used an example when following it up that experience with a letter to the book um, of the Ephesians, um, he, he uses an example of Jesus as a high priest and that he is the priest of priests. That's what high priest is. I mean, it's, it's like this is the archaeal type of priest. If you're looking how to high priest in your daily life, well, who do you look at? Well, we're told that Jesus is that high priest. He is the one that really displayed this concept of bringing God to the world and world, the world to God. So he uses what God accomplished through him as an example for us. In Hebrews 6.20, he said, where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever. So when I went looking for the materials and the methodology about how to be a priest on an ordinary day, on a, on a day in October in 2020. Um, I didn't look to the White House to finally get my example. I didn't look to the, you know, a political party to get my answer. I really didn't even look inside to get my answer, but rather I began to look, okay, if I need the materials and methodology of priesthood, I need to look to Jesus for this. He's the high priest. You know, my pop did an okay job, and my mom did a really cool job, and, and so-and-so may do a good job. But when we're looking for high priesthood, we're looking at Jesus and the example of him so that I can, you know, be a better husband, so I can be a better father, so I can be a better coworker or neighbor, or even so that I can be a good stranger. You know, have you ever, ever thought about being a good stranger? I mean, just the, you know, 
waking up in the morning, I'm really going to work at being a really good stranger. But we really need good strangers in this world today. We need people who brush up against other people who don't know each other to be really good strangers. You know, I remember we were at uh, the doctor's office and, and there was this gentleman that walked past me and Susan and I asked him flat out, I mean, we had masks on, he had masks on, and, and he was a black gentleman, and I tell that because it was right in the middle of this tension that we were having as a country, and, and so I stopped him. And I said, sir, look at the two of us. I said, uh, can you tell we're smiling at you with our masks on? And it, he was kind of a little surprised, and, he, and, and, and so I said, which one of us do you think is smiling more? And you know, you, everybody would pick Susan, right? But no, it was me. And, and so I told her, I have kind eyes. And so he, all he could see was the, was the mask there. And I pulled it down and I showed my, my face and everything. He pulled his mask down. We smiled at each other. We talked a little bit about uh, football and he was on his way. It's like, well, what is that? What was the difference? For a moment in time, I was able to priesthood to a stranger. Just to have a moment of kindness. A moment of, of just breaking some of the tension, bringing a little bit of God. So even God wants us to become good at strangering, okay? That's a serious stranger things. Man, we, we, could, we could work on that one. So I want you to hear, also I need to slow down, okay? <laughs> I get so, uh, I've watched the video of last Sunday's sermon. We finally started evaluating how we do and I'm just too jacked from the beginning to the end. There's no slow points. And I also notice that my eyebrows are always up like this. They look like angry eyes, like Mr. Potato. You know, it's like I got my angry eyes on. So I got so to just kind of like chill. So I'm, you'll see me do chill moments today. So uh, Paul writes about some of the action words that Jesus, our faithful high priest, did for us. They're all right. <laughs> I'm sorry, I got to get excited about it because it's really good. So I'm going to read you a bunch of text, okay? Um, yeah, we're still working here. Well, I'm going to read you a bunch of text. Just sit in it, okay? Uh, just allow it. And some words are highlighted. And I want you to see these words because these are the material elements of our priesthood. And these are the things that God... If you're a dad, if you're a husband, if you're a wife or a mother, or if, or if you're dating, whatever, wherever you are, these are the words that we should be pinging about how does Jesus priesthood. So Paul is, is going to tell us out of Ephesians 1, starting in verse 3, he starts off by saying this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, was, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons, and you can put daughters there, through Jesus Christ, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight making known to us the mystery of his will according to the purpose which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. 
In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to his counsel of will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. And then in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. A lot of, a lot of words in there. And, you know, I was reading that set of verses, and I almost began to think, I wonder if I could rearrange these words and if this, this whole group of verses would still make sense. Because there's so many good words in there, uh, divinely intentional good words, priesthood words in there, it was almost like I could take them in any order and they would have all spoken something to me. But I kind of just like chose down on these ones here. Blessed, chose, bestowed, redeemed, forgave, made known, united, and sealed. Now, I mean, that's an incredible group of words. Can you imagine walking into work as a high priest? And I'll let you define what those words mean. Okay, I mean, I, I know I could do a sermon on each word and we all wouldn't be coming to church by the time I got to the sixth word. But I understand, I could do it, but just allow maybe some intrinsic value of the words to just drop into you. Could you imagine working uh, and, and you walk in there with your high priest bag and, and you're, you're going in there and you've decided that you're going to bless, that you're gonna choose some people in there to 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 be friendly to. You're going to bestow something on people. You know, uh, bestow is usually a word that is, has the connotation of something good being given to. You're going to redeem the environment when you walk in there. You're gonna bring forgiveness into the, to that place. You're going to make known, and I love that, is that you're gonna make known the love of God. You're gonna make known yourself to another person. You're gonna allow another person to be made known to you means a lot of people just want to be known. We really do. You know, it's, if you ever run into that syndrome when you're just walking through the mall or when we used to have malls, when you're walking through the mall and you see somebody say, hey, how you doing? All of a sudden they start rambling and talking. It's not because they have a bad temperament. It's not because they don't know right, the right way to say hi. You know, to say hi when you really don't mean it and, you know, mean it at the same time. But rather they just want to be known. And can you imagine walking into that environment and you're part of that group that's making, making people known, that you're uniting people, that you're bringing um, sealed. I love that. That's uh, sealed in the context here was that we are sealed, locked in the love of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. But can you imagine walking into an environment, maybe with a child, with your, your spouse, and they feel sealed, secure, wrapped up, guaranteed, that the love of God is towards them and that your love is towards them. That's priesthood. I mean, that's what God wants us to bring. These are the material actions of agency. We bring and carry these things to people for God. That's what God wants us to bring. These are the elements that we are supposed to be bringing to our neighbors and, and to our coworkers. So let me ask you, how's your agency going today? When you go into work, when you come home from work, that's a big one. When you, when you walk into the uh, bedroom, when you walk into the, your kid's room uh, after school, whenever it is, what are you bringing in there? Are these the, the material agencies that you're bringing into those rooms? 
Or what do you bring into the room that when you come home? What's in your bag? What do you unload? I mean, that's what we do. Don't we feel like home is the place where we're allowed to unload? You know? Well, yeah, and I would agree with that. But is it the only thing we unload is the, the complaints? I mean, maybe I'm just using this as a gender example. Uh, I'm not saying it is this way at all times. But let's say a husband comes home from work and a wife is there and all of a sudden he walks in the door and he's kind of a little quiet because he's had a long day and all of a sudden as soon as you, he hits the front door, you're going to have to talk to Jimmy, you know, because Jimmy, you know, or all of a sudden you realize a bill didn't get paid. Door opens up, he walks in the door and as soon as he walks in the door, did you remember to call, you know, Comcast about this? I mean, how does your day go? When you enter into a room, do you enter in with a bag full of Jesus priesthood or do you walk in there with your baggage? And see, and this is stuff that God wants us to think through. There were other words in there that help us see our method. I mean, like I said, you could have just taken the first like, chapter of the book of Ephesians, put it into one of those things that they have at a Catholic bazaar, and you know, with all the letters in there, bingo, that's what they call it. And then, <laughs> I don't get out much. It's been a long time since I've been to Mass. But you know, and all of a sudden, any word that could have come out of this book would have, made, uh, would have been theologically rich. Listen to it. The word purpose, blood, truth, kind intention, and spirit. So if the other things are our material agency, this is our methodological agency. This is our method, is that we go in there with purpose, and I'll talk about that in a second. We go into the room with blood, and what that means, that we go into that room with the willingness to sacrifice. That we go into that room um, with truth, we go into that room with kind intention. We go into that room with the Spirit of God. Is that how we go into the room? Is that how we're doing it? Then I don't want you to underestimate three main words and phrases that pop up in the scripture. This one is probably my favorite word when it comes to being a priest, a husband priest, a wife priest, um, a boss priest, an employee priest, that God uses in this phrase, he talks about that he accomplished beforehand in Christ. You know, beforehand, meaning like before time, before the foundations of the world. And the reason why this is such an important word, and I just want to let, let that word just sit there and, and just kind of drop into you, is that beforehand means that God was not winging it. That intentionality is a major part of agency. Does that, that word keep just in appearing? Ted, can we put that word back up? These, okay, yeah, I don't know if the computer's doing that. But just let that word just drop into you. Is that intentionality is a big part of priesthood. I mean, it really is. Intentionality. Just think about how you come home intentionally. The things that you do, you're, um, you know, in the Old Testament, when the priest was about to carry the Ark of the Covenant to do any priestly thing, he would do this pre-dress. 
he would, he would get um, all like in a certain kind of garment in order to carry. He didn't just say, hey, I'm going to go ahead and carry the ark around for a while, guys. Okay, cool, Joe. He didn't just do that, but rather he got pre-dressed. There was a certain outfit he had to have on, certain little hat he had to have on, certain prayers he had to do, certain oil he had to do, and, and then it just, it, he had to pre-dress. It's kind of like in the military, you had certain things that you had to do. You had to you know, have your shoes right, you had to have your uniform right, and then we had to redress. Redress is a pretty cool thing, is that when you got a bunch of military people together and all of a sudden they'll say, all right, everybody redress. That means everybody gets in lines and you put your hands to the left and you look to the right and, and everybody, everything lines up perfectly. And so when we think about being intentionality, what we're doing is redressing or pre-dressing our minds towards the event. I mean, everybody knows what it's like to come home, right? So we don't have to imagine, we're not surprised that we come home. I mean, it's not like a ta-da moment. So why can't we pre-dress for that moment? Instead of rocking out to Van Halen on 11 on your stereo, I mean, why not, why not pre-dress? Why not, you know, line up according to the, the priesthood of Christ? Why not begin to think about, all right, how am I going to, how am I going to bless my wife today when I walk in the door? You know, um, when Susan comes home and uh, while she's doing her makeup in the driveway, talk about literal pre-dress. She puts her makeup on for me. You think she's pretty now? You should see when she comes home. She's even prettier because she pre-dresses for an encounter with me. Now, here's what I do as a husband because I'm, I'm basically kind of, you know, the less I could do, the better. I'm that guy. You know, the less I could do, the better. But God, I had to pr learn how to become a, a priest. So I took these words, and, and it's like, so here's what I do. I hear, I, I, I watch her on my phone, and I watch her traveling home. So um, when, when I see that she's on Glenn McConnell, that's about time when I get out of my pajamas, Okay. <laughs> Yes, it's 4 o'clock, but no, no, seriously, I watch her come home. And why am I watching it? It's because I'm, like, scared of the big brother or whatever it is of what's going on. Or I'm anxious. It's like, no, I, I want to change what I'm doing, the way that I look, my disposition for when she arrives home. I mean, I got this technology. Why not use it for priesthood? So I, I, I go through this whole step of the thing. Who, who's the only person that would give their life for you today and gives it to you every single day? It's like, oh, my wife. It's like, okay, who's the only person? And I really, I mean, I literally ask myself this question. I'll ask God, who's the only person that thinks you're handsome regardless if you're as ugly as can be? Uh, it's my wife. Who's the only person who wants to kiss you? It's my wife who is the only person who does great things for you. It is my wife. So as soon as I've said that to myself, then you should put down the remote. Then you should stand up from the couch. Then you should go to the door. Then you should go down the stairs. Then you should carry the packages. Then you should, I mean, I will, all these things will, will tell me. And, and so when Susan comes home, guess where I am when she comes home? I am standing on the front stairs waving to her as she pulls up because I, my iPhone enables me to do that. What have I done? I've pre-dressed her arrival. It's called intentionality. 
Let me just throw this into theological language. You know that word predestined and chosen and elect that a lot of denominations have a really problem with because it means that, well, it sounds like some people are made to go to hell and some people are made to go to heaven. This Calvinism idea, and it's, it's just a, it's a little offshoot idea. But predestined and chosen and elect are not descriptions about us. They are the description of God's intentional predress towards us. It's saying that God gets up from the couch, he puts down the remote, and he goes down and greets us. And, he, and then, as a result of it, we become the predetermined. Why? Because he intentionally decided, I am going to get off the couch, and I'm going to go down there, and I'm going to save them. See, that's how priesthood operates. When you walk in with your kids, when you're... When you're you're angry as can be because your husband called you and so-and-so mouthed off and you're like, I'm going to get that kid. I'm just going to tell her what I think and, and I'm just going to walk into that room and, and I'm just going to throw her iPhone and, and then blah, 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 blah. It's like, wait a minute, whoa, 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 hold on, just like in the military. Okay, everybody redress. You know, redress left, redress right. Everybody line up your priesthood. So are you going in there to unload your own baggage, or are you bringing the priesthood of God? See, that's just how we do it. That's how we practice our daily priesthood, is by using this thing called intentionality. Pre-dressing for priesthood equals intentionality. Intentionality means thinking, preparing for the moment before it arrives. You know what we call a moment that we're not prepared for when it arrives? An accident. But most of us aren't having those. We have a few of them, but most of us have the opportunity to pre-dress, especially for our spouse, to pre-dress for an encounter with our children. Pre-dress, most of you will go to work with the same people that you've been working with at least for the last month. You, know, you don't need any, much spiritual vision beyond that. All you need to do is like, okay, how am I walking in there today? And those words out of Ephesians 1, all you need to do is just open up your scripture. Even if you don't read another book in the Bible for the rest of your life, I will definitely get some pushback on that. But even if you don't read another book, for the, I, believe that in, in, I believe in Ephesians 1, if you never read another chapter in the Bible again and you executed Ephesians chapter 1, man, you're going to make this place a better place to live in. Your marriage is going to be so much better. If you take the priesthood of Christ to yourself and begin to intentionally work it out in the world around and copy everything that's right there, man, this world's there's all of a sudden going to be light in the world. There's going to be hope in the world. There's going to be the spirit of God in the world as a result of that. The second thing that he says, and this is real quick, but it's the second thing that I saw it pop up was every verse started with something like this. In him, in him, in him, in him, in him, in him. Now, there, we could go one way this theologically, but all of it happened in a in him. And I'm taking this a little bit differently. It didn't happen in a wooden box laid, laden with gold on it. It didn't happen in a church building. It happened in a, in him. All the stuff that God did for us, we are told it happened in an in him. So today, where does it happen? In a, in you. 
in a in her, in a in them, in a in him, in a in us. You see, all this priesthood happens when it happens in somebody for somebody else. That's the way the world's getting fixed. That's the way the world's getting better. You could pray a gazillion prayers that God will save America, that God will bless America, but the way that it's going to get blessed and the way that it's going to get saved is through in hims, in hers, in us, in them, walking in the likeness of Christ. It's us taking, that's the way your family's gonna get fixed. That's the way your 17-year-old son that you don't understand is going to be guided into a successful life. It's when it becomes in, we need the priesthood of God to become in him, in her, in them, in us. And in everything that happens, there's an in him. Not just in theology, not just in sacrament, not just in church, but an in him. And then the last is this. The third thing that's repeated, in love. In love. That's how the priesthood goes. It's not only the motivation, it's also the methodology. Is that we do all these things in love. Boy, that will change. If that alone becomes the prerequisite for how you walk into a room, how you greet your spouse at the car, how you deal with your kids when they, they have been surfing the web and looking at stuff that you thought your little software was gonna block, but it didn't. You know, when you have broken promises at work or disappointments or layoff, when we can do these things in love, So this is our priesthood. This is what we're called to do every day in every relationship. And God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we are told that our priesthood has been sealed by the Spirit of God. God today wants to give each and every one of you the Spirit of God to empower you, not to, uh, not to put on a freak show, not to, not to glow in the dark or walk on your bath water, but rather so that you can bring genuine divine priesthood into the life of this world that desperately needs the marvelous and the excellencies of God declared in the middle of darkness. What it needs today is intentionality. Thinking and preparing for the moment before it arrives. That's why I read my Bible. That's why I pray. I mean, these aren't just things that I do because I'm Christian, but I know that it's a, a pre-dress for the moment that I'm called to live in. Father, today as we are gathered together, God, some of us realize that the, the thing that we carry into the room is not as much you as we thought it was. You called us to bring hope and life and to bestow good things on people, forgiveness, to bring charity, to choose people to be kind to, to make known the excellencies of God, to let people make themselves known to us, to create an environment where people are sealed in grace, that they're safe with us. 
So Father, today, I recognize that it was in him, Christ, that you beforehand have made all this work through the cross. Now today, allow that in him to be in us so we can bring it into the world. And then, Lord, I pray during this time of worship and communion, this, this last few moments that we spend together, that your Holy Spirit would fill us. And I ask you, God, to fill me. Fill me, Lord God, with that same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead. Lord God, fill me with your intentionality. Fill me with your, with your love, your compassion, and all the stuff that you brought to us. God, fill me with it. Empower me today, Lord God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let me encourage you in this moment, just whether you you're worship, whether you come to communion or a, a time of giving, a time of prayer, let it be a time where you just allow God to speak into your priesthood and begin to look to see the material agency of your life, the methodology. And if you're like me, you'll find out that you really need the Spirit of God more than anything. So Father, just pour out your Spirit on us. Ask Him for His Spirit, and today He will give it. 